When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the PHNX Sun Show. I am your host, Greg Esposito, joined by Saul Bookman and Gerald Borgay. And we are brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app, except no substitutes. Guys, how are you today? Not too bad. Just another day in paradise. Oh, definitely. Doing pretty great. What have they won? 17 of 18? I think it's as close to paradise. Oh, shit. Oh, man, I kind of jammed my thumb. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Go get your MRI and leave now. I'm so. uh, on my way to L.A. I will be back, fellas. Uh, look, we're oh, recording man. this at 2.21 p.m. on February 17th. And if news breaks on anything with Chris Paul that makes that not funny, we apologize <laughs> Yes, <profusely. laughs> I, I guess I should have said that from the very jump. But, hey, listen, I'm not trying to minimize this because if it ends up being severe, I sincerely apologize. I have knocked on wood. I have thrown salt over my left shoulder. I have rubbed my lucky rabbit's foot. Let's go. We, we're a minute and 19 seconds into this thing, and we've already potentially pissed off all of Sun's fandom. Gerald, uh, or the girth, whatever we are calling you these days. Oh, what's up with you, man? Not a whole lot. I was uh, kind of looking forward to a more relaxing all-star break, but apparently we're just going to stress, ride this stress wave out for the weekend until we get news on that MRI. <laughs> See, the, the best thing, though, is with it being... All-Star Weekend and CP3 scheduled to play in that game, we won't wait long because he'll have to make a decision on if he's going to play in that game or not. So we'll get some indication of the severity of whatever is going on with this thumb. Agreed. Agreed. Hey, that's, that is a blessing in disguise. Uh, now, allegedly, we should know sometime later on this evening, hopefully, but you know how those things go, and especially like Gerald pointed out in a tweet today, uh, because of the all-star break and no immediate game coming up, um, you know, it's it's not likely that the Suns are going to volunteer that information anytime soon. So we're going to have to probably rely on an external source of some type, uh, probably a national beat writer like Chris Haynes or something like that. But um, hopefully we, we catch word quick. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that that is the one thing that we should know is that while it's never good if a player does get injured, this would be an optimal time for it to happen if it had to happen just because, you know, apparently the Suns are going to be getting campaign and Landry Shamit back in the first game after the all-star break. That's the tentative plan. Um, 
<laughs> I know you're laughing at Landry Shamit, Saul. You gotta stop. <laughs> we just I, we need I'm like well listen guys if Chris Paul gets hurt, it's okay. We got Landry Shamit. That's that's let me let me finish. <laughs> All right, we've, well, also got, man, man. we've we've also got a six point five game lead on the next closest team, which is really big because you know we don't know when Draymond is gonna come back for the Warriors, but it doesn't sound like he's gonna be back right after the all-star break. So you know, if there was a time for the Suns to have to suffer a blow like this, it's now after the All-Star break when they've got just a built-in week of cushion before games are back again. Um, and also, you know, well ahead of the playoffs still. You know, they built up this cushion for that one seed. They've got a little bit of time before games come back, and then they'll still have, you know, two months or whatever it is before the actual playoffs begin we're pretty much in agreement that this team at full strength looks like the best team in basketball. Um, now it's just a matter of making sure that he gets there and that it's not anything severe. So uh, if it had to happen, it's good that it happened now. I would also piggyback on that and say that if there was, assuming there's no structural damage, if there was an injury that you would ever want a player to have to incur, it'd probably be just a jammed finger. Like I, we've all experienced a jammed finger. I assume at, at one point or another, I have. I know, uh, especially playing basketball. Like it, it sucks. It's a nuisance, but it, it is a relatively quick healing injury. So if you're going to have one, that's probably the more ideal one to have, especially if it's your thumb. Yeah. Well, let's put a caveat on this. As long as it's not serious this is a good time i just said i just said that i I said as long as there's no structural damage then yeah i mean it uh to to gerald's point if this is minor and it takes a little time to get back great time for it to happen i mean uh it kind of kind of like the lakers with ad they find out oh that ankle injury wasn't all that serious no structural damage two weeks okay well really it's one week a game so uh, so you hope for uh, that being the worst case scenario when it comes to Chris Paul uh, over uh, over everything. But look, we don't have any news, so we can't uh, really get into it too much and, and panic as Saul reminded me last night. I need to uh, <laughs> I need to chill a little bit. So I'm not going to freak out on this podcast unless we get a tweet while we're doing it and there's reason to freak out. But one of the, the good things in this situation, even if Chris Paul is out injured is the fact that they made a move at the deadline and they got Aaron holiday in particular, we can talk about the, the impact of getting both Tory Craig and Aaron holiday, but let's start with Aaron holiday as he'll have an increased role. If CP three misses any time, uh, Gerald, how important was it in your mind for them to add Aaron holiday? And what do you like that you've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we should start with the caveat. It's only been three games and that the the base level that we're comparing his play to right now is Alfred Payton. So we should bear that in mind and not go too far overboard with praising him. But I've really liked what I've seen out of him. And I was kind of somebody that was not as high on this trade when they made it, even if it was only for cash considerations. You know, you love to pick up a productive player for nothing but cash. But I was kind of wondering where he might fit in, whether he was actually good. And so far he's living up to that holiday name. It's, it's funny. We asked the guys about, you know, what they see from him and they always go to, Oh, well, he's a holiday. You know, he defends, he's tenacious. He can score. Um, he's aggressive on offense. Monty always talks about how he's not afraid to shoot and how that kind of helps him fit in with a son's team that he's unfamiliar with. But 
you just look at the numbers through these first three games, he's averaging 7.3 points, 2.7 assists. He shot nine for 13 overall and four for six from three. Uh, a couple of his threes have been like pull-up threes and transition a good foot or two behind the three-point line. So he's not afraid to launch it. And in his first 40 minutes with the team, he's a plus 15. You know, th- this is a team that routinely outscores its opponents. And so you look at these guys' individual plus minuses, and they're insane. And then you look at a guy like Alfred Payton, who's a minus one in his 444 minutes. Like, that's kind of an alarm bell when Chris Paul, Devin Booker, all these other guys are in the hundreds. Like, I know plus game, plus minus is not the best stat to look at all the time. And I know that, you know, Payton spends most of his time with bench guys and not with the starting lineup. But, like, that's kind of alarming that a, a newcomer has come in and in like one tenth of the time already has a way better plus minus than Alfred Payton does playing with this team, this phenomenal team for a whole season. Like it's just night and day. And, and he's been able to show a little bit of what he can do in, in his first couple games. Again, with Alfred Payton specifically in relation to Aaron Holiday, it just seems like Aaron Holiday is more amenable to, uh, you know, to the, the to the team concept of things like being a part of the team, whereas Alfred Payton feels like he's forcing his way um, within the team concept, and it just that's the difficulty of watching Alfred Payton in this offense and the system, and, and really his entire career, uh, just trying to to figure it out as he's on the court, and, and it's it's almost an uncomfortable watch. And I mentioned that kind of jokingly the other night, but it's true. Like when you watch him, it looks like it doesn't come easy. Whereas it comes easier to Aaron Holiday, at least from the the visual perspective, watching him around the court. He already seems like he's a little bit more comfortable each game. It doesn't seem like it's going to be as as rough of a fit as it has been for Alfred Payton. And I think that's the reason why you're going to start to see Aaron Holiday play significantly more. And you started to see that last night with the, against the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, Holiday's defense and his aggressiveness is is just fantastic. Like even if his even if his hot start offensively, at least from behind the arc, cools down a little bit, you feel comfortable with him in there going up against anybody. I mean, he got some switches, wound up on big guys, and still played uh, fantastic defense. He's had a couple, you know, uh, from from behind blocks and, and different things he's done on that end, which contributes so much to that that plus minus and, and what he's able to do. I'm excited to see, uh, even if CP three is out how he can help Aaron holiday grow too, because that, that's the kind of kid he's got a motor uh, in the, in the way CP three does and in the way he plays both ends of the court. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, third string point guard minutes now where I cringed when we were getting, those Alfred Payton minutes and what is going to be the most interesting thing to me is when campaign comes back and Landry Shama comes back, where do those Aaron holiday minutes come it, it, grant? If CP three is healthy, if he's not, it's obviously as the backup point guard, but I see him taking both Shamit's minutes in, in some cases and Peyton's few minutes that he was getting as the third string point guard. Oh, I agree a million percent. I I can see scenarios now where it will be Aaron Holiday and and, and campaign um, for certain stretches, not long stretches, but you know short stretches um, to spell CP3 and book. And more importantly, as we get to the end of the season, um, you know we, we always talk about resting players, and a lot of times we we kind of assume like if they've locked up the number one seed. 
then you know benching a player, benching Chris Paul or benching Devin Booker is in their best interest. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I say they still need to get out there and run and keep you know keeping in the flow and rhythm of things, but you just don't play them as much. And with Aaron Holiday now in the fold, you can see scenarios where maybe Devin Booker and, and CP3 go out there and play for like 20, 25 minutes, and that's about it. it when, when they've already sealed everything up, they still you know get in the game flow action, and now you can rest and know that you have two viable backups that can play together. Um, I, it's, just, it's just a great move by James Jones to get Aaron Holiday. I've always been a fan. He's got sneaky bounce. I, I've been shocked by his athletic ability. Did not, did not know he could jump that high, um, and it, it's, been, uh, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, you guys touched on a couple of things that I, I wanted to bring up because, you know, Saul, you had talked about Peyton just kind of not looking like a natural fit. And I think that's the beauty of Aaron Holiday compared to a guy like Peyton who's used to having the ball in his hands is, you know, in a lot of Peyton's minutes this season, he's been playing off the ball. And because he's not a shooter, because he's, you know, he said he's not used to catching the ball and needing to react to what the defense is doing, closing out on him. He's more used to kind of initiating that action and finding other guys. So with Holiday, he's a guy that that spacing that he provides compared to a guy like Peyton who just really can't shoot the three is huge for that second unit. And he's also a guy who can play kind of that combo guard role of either spot if he needs to. Whereas Peyton, you know, he's clearly a lot more comfortable as a one where he just doesn't get a lot of minutes. Um, And then defensively, you know, he's only six six feet tall, Holiday is, but he's got that six foot seven wingspan and that really helps. So that's that's why we might see some campaign Aaron Holiday minutes. Um, so both Peyton and Landry Shamit should probably be concerned if Holiday continues to play at this level because he can slide into either the one spot or the two spot. And, you know, he was, Monty was saying that one steal that he had after he hit that ridiculous floater, which he's been really good on floaters, and then he sneaks up behind, gets that steal, gets that quick layup. Monty said, that's Aaron Holiday. Like, that's what he does. And the Suns love guys like that. So, um, again, really small sample size we're talking about here, but the early returns have been very promising. Imagine this lineup. Campaign, Aaron Holiday, Tory Craig, Cam Johnson, JaVale McGee. That's the dog pound right there, right? That's the <laughs> that, these are the guys that are going to hound defense uh, opponents on on defense and just get at it. I'm excited to see that, that all hype lineup. It'll be fun to watch. Um, You know, the, the scoring concern I have with that lineup is, is it's there a little bit, you know, like, but again, if they're all, you know, firing on all cylinders, especially campaign, because he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink on that one. um, There, I don't feel as shaky. Definitely going to that lineup as I did with Alfred Payton in the lineup for sure. So it definitely makes you feel a little bit more warmer and fuzzier than you once did for sure. Oh, yeah. Think about before the trade deadline, that lineup would have been campaign. uh, Alfred Payton, maybe Landry Shamick, Cam Johnson, JaVale McGee. Like that, it's a much, it has a much different complexion by adding uh, Aaron Holiday and Tory Craig into the mix where you can go a very, uh, you know, all, all bench, very defensive minded, very grit and grind kind of, uh, uh, kind of lineup. And uh, I, I don't, 
I don't want to bury him too much because I've already buried him several times. <laughs> but Gerald, uh, do you think, uh, in in your estimation, through what you have seen so far, that Landry Shamit is more of um, of an Alfred Payton or more of a campaign in terms of productivity and what you think he's going to be able to provide this team? I mean, that's a tough one because I I feel like I feel like it's one of those cases where by trying to let him do too much because you know coming into the season they kept talking about how he can be another ball handler how he you know was primarily a point guard for most of his basketball career until the NBA I think instead of just letting him stay in his box and be that three-point shooter they tried to put too much on his plate and I, I think he really did kind of get he lost his confidence obviously in his shot you know this is a career 39% three-point shooter who's only shooting 35% with the Suns. He's below 40% shooting from the floor for the first time in his career. I, I, I think it's somewhere in between. I think campaign is more of a guy who needs to have the ball in his hands to be a scorer. And same thing with Alfred Payton. So I think Shamit's a little bit different in terms of what he can actually provide this team at this point as being an off-ball guy. But it's unfortunate that it just hasn't worked out for him here um, and I think that's why you saw James Jones target a guy who can slot in at either one of those positions because, you know, if <laughs> if you have a night where you have to play Peyton, guess what? Now you have Holiday in front of him. If you don't have a night, if, you know, Paul and Payne are perfectly healthy, then you can avoid Shamit if he's really not giving you anything and slot Holiday in there because you know at the very least he's going to compete defensively um, and he's not going to be afraid to shoot. We've seen Landry Shamit run himself off the three-point line a few times and just do nothing with the ball. So it, it really is a, a situation of kind of uh, hedging the Suns' bets a little bit and shoring up some areas of weakness if those guys aren't able to turn it around. Look, I, I hope that the the injury for Landry Shamit is a blessing in disguise because yeah, sometimes same. when you're pressing, uh, you know, you, uh, you can't get out of it mentally unless you take a step back and being injured like this has forced him to take a step back, watch what's going on out there. And maybe that breaks through for him. Uh, I hope so, but uh, let's shift focuses a little bit to Tory Craig, his impact so far uh, on, on this team. Look, we, we know what Tory Craig brings. We got the, the Tory Craig experience last year, but I, I feel like it's a slightly different uh, expectation for him this year because the bench is deeper. So now he can come in and just kind of focus on, let me play some good defense. Let me, uh, you know, let me get some boards and everything else is kind of gravy when it comes in. I, I, I don't know. I feel like we didn't even have an expectation for him last year. Shit. I remember, you know, Espo, when, when we brought up his name, when we were with the solar panel, I was like, who, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had zero expectations of Tory Craig. I think I even said that he wouldn't even fucking play. He was just a throw-in for cash considerations. Like, who cares? I was completely wrong. Um, I mean, way wrong. He, this guy brought a lot of energy off the bench um, and played a vital role in the Suns' run to the NBA Finals. And I think you're going to get much of the same this year. He's an energy guy. Um, he's going to give you hustle hustle plays. That's kind of his role. I don't I don't really expect too much more or less from him. I, I, I do. I think he's going to perform at the same level. Now that's a different conversation. I think you know, in terms of his role on this team, do I think he's going to perform higher than he did last year, or the same, or below? I would probably 
I would probably gauge somewhere at the the same to maybe even a little bit lower just because of what you alluded to. The bench is a little bit deeper, so not not as much is going to be expected from him. But um, but yeah, I mean, hey, Tori's Tori's an energy guy, and energy guys, you it's hard to kind of pinball where their effectiveness is going to come through or how it's going to work. You just know it's going to come out at some point during a game. And that's, that's the great part about energy guys is that they bring that and they enthuse the fans, they enthuse their teammates. And uh, that's what they need sometimes, especially last night when they were playing against Houston, it was, it was, it was a drag for a little while. Yeah. I think last night was a good example of how having two guys like that is so big for the Suns team. Cause you know, the Suns were just kind of like, crawling into the all-star break like they were like rockets on the second night of a back-to-back like who gives a shit like we're we're so close to the all-star break (laughs) and these two are like nah we're here to prove like where we belong in this rotation so that was a huge help um but yeah i thought thought tory was gonna bam on somebody twice yeah. The way the way he kind of geared up and looked like Espo and I both were like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, that was the kind of he went up and then he went uh, under. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We thought he was just going up. Like, uh, that I was was like oh, man, my man's about to jump from the wing. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that that and one almost lifted me out of my chair a little bit because I was like, oh, and he like laid it in. I was like, okay, still nice play, but not the not the yammer. I thought it was gonna be. I think he thought he was gonna be able to dunk, and he got halfway through it. He's like. I'm not as young as I once was, and then went for the layup. He's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I think with Craig, like, it's telling how much trust and familiarity Monty has with him that he's been on the floor in a lot of these kind of game-changing runs over the last few games, and in the fourth quarter especially. Um, Holiday, too, obviously, that, uh, that was a byproduct of, of Chris Paul being ejected and being out, but... Um, you know, Tory Craig has just kind of come in there and he's already been a part of some of their crunch time, like lockdown defensive units. When the Suns need to stop, he's been out there, um, which is pretty telling because they've already got three very good defensive wings, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, um, and Devin Booker as well. You could throw him in that mix. So this is a team that if they need to go small, Tory Craig being able to play that five spot or being able to play that four spot in some undersized lineups is huge. Um, and I think part of that that gets swept under the rug is that he can survive on the offensive end because he's very clever. Like in the pick and roll, he'll slip those screens and he'll he'll cut off the ball. And he's just kind of that, you know, if you <laughs> stick your fifth best defender on him, because of course you're going to, he's Torrey Craig and there's lots of other threats out there. He's going to backdoor you or he's going to find a way to make you pay for it. Um, and he's also, it's hilarious because you look at his career numbers and he's a career 33% shooter from three-point range. But when that dude puts on a Suns uniform, he turns into like Sean Marion. Like it's not pretty, but it goes in more often than you think it will. Like he shot 37% from three with the Suns last year. And then he's shooting 37.5% with the Suns this year. Again, these are small sample sizes. He only played 32 games with us last year. He's played three so far this season. But it is hilarious that he's just not afraid to shoot these shots with the Suns. And for whatever reason they keep going in on this team. I, I could do without pull up Tory Craig where <laughs> they're on the break and he pulls up from, uh, from the wing there. Uh, I could do without that, but overall I've enjoyed it. If you guys want to dive deeper on this subject, head over to go phnx.com, read Gerald's latest piece, fantastic work looking at the new guys here in Phoenix and uh, in particular, Aaron holiday. I think you really enjoy that to so make sure to go do that get a annual membership 
if uh, you're so inclined, and then you can get that sweet, sweet point god uh, t-shirt for free when you become an annual member, or you can get any of our shirts, but that's my favorite uh, in particular right now as well. Just a reminder, uh, children five and older are now eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with COVID-19. The COVID-19 vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease. Safe, free, and highly effective COVID vaccines are available throughout Arizona. Visit azhealth.com dot gov slash find vaccine that's azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you and hoop fans the latest offer from DraftKings sportsbook an official betting partner of the nba is too good to pass up i'm talking between the legs 360 degree windmill would not be that entertaining but a 360 degree windmill well that's something else you know uh new customers can bet just one dollar on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's just that simple when you use that code PHNX. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same game parlays, one of my favorite ways to bet on a game. And you can combine when you combine multiple bets from any game uh, together for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Don't worry, I won't make the uh, Human centipede joke. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash when you want. All you have to do is dra- download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code PHNX, bet $1 on NBA team, and get 150 big ones, smackers, uh, moolah, whatever you want to call it, uh, in free bets if they win. That's promo code PHNX at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner. Partner of the NBA, 21 and over, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Next Step. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Now that we've got all the the ads out of the way, I want to. I didn't know you're going to go on an ad blitz right there for hey, like. I'm get five them all minutes. out of the way. Like, just get it done so I don't forget any of them. I'm not used to doing this anymore. Lindsay's always in this captain's chair, so me having to do it uh, is is rare since uh, since we switched in October. So before we end this thing, uh, really quickly, we've got about five minutes left in the show. I want to ask you guys, uh, we put this out on Twitter, but if you're starting an NBA franchise and you only get one of the following players for their entire career in professional basketball, which former son are you picking? Connie Hawkins, Charles Barkley, Steve Nash, or Devin Booker? Which guy would you select? Whew. That's that's a tough one. I'm why why well no go ahead. <laughs> if you're stuck for your their whole careers, their, their whole career, not just I in think, Phoenix. Their whole I think careers. based I think based on what we know about their whole careers to this point, I think you gotta go Charles Barkley, but I will say that I'm keeping an eye on what Devin Booker does over the next five to 10 years, because it's not his fault that he got shitty G league teams for the first five years (laughs) of his career. And I think if he had been on a better team, we might be talking about him a lot differently, but just in terms of individual, unbelievable generational talent, like Charles Barkley could do it all. and, And people should not forget how freaking unstoppable he was with the Philadelphia 76ers as well. So I'll, I'll go Chuck. Charles's high was higher than anybody else's high on that list. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just, I truly felt like I, I felt like Charles Barkley when he was playing, there wasn't a guy on the planet that could guard him. And, and, and he would even say that. And I know Michael Jordan would probably have uh, other thoughts because, but like, I think, I think the two can coexist. There wasn't a guy on the planet that could, that could guard Michael Jordan. I don't think in, in Barkley's prime, there was anybody else on the planet that could guard Michael or uh, Charles Barkley. So I would probably hedge towards Barkley as well. Um, for me, it's, it's not Nash because of the, the whole defensive liability thing in my estimation. Um, if I'm going to build a franchise around somebody, I want them to be able to do it on both ends of the court. So for me, it was Nash and then second would be Booker for me, or I'm sorry, Barkley and then Booker for me. Uh, for me, the the most intriguing one is Connie Hawkins because we didn't really get to see him play pro basketball in his in his prime. He kind of he got blackballed. If you've never seen this or heard the story, there's a whole book on it called Foul, and it it's crazy. He he basically lost out on his prime in basketball, and even when he he came to the NBA at age 28 with the Suns, he was still a spectacular talent, and many people say the precursor. To Dr. J. So if he had actually got to play from 21 through, you know, 27 in the league, I, I think we might be talking a different, uh, a different player on this list. But for me right now, it's Barkley for sure. I mean, you've got the MVPs that Nash had, you have the trip to the finals that, that Booker had to Saul's point and, and Gerald's point, uh, virtually unstoppable in his prime, uh, especially when you include the Philly years. So uh, I think that's where you lean, but I can would I, argue, you know, Gerald, you? you said a handful of years, uh, you know, we may look at Devin Booker differently on that list. I think if, if things go the way we're hoping this year and it, by the end of June, he may be the guy that I'd pick. If this team continues to play at this clip and wins a title, and Devin Booker is a major reason for it, like he has been through the first 58 games, i probably hedge my bet and go that direction at that point. So I go Barkley, Booker, uh, and then it's any either Hawkins or Nash, I think you're not going wrong at that point. Is there a reason why on some of these all-time lists we don't want to put CP3 in there? Is it because he, he hasn't been here long enough? Is it because he's at the end of his career? Like, what's I, the like? why not CP3 instead of Connie Hawkins on that list? Well, to me, it's, it's longevity, and it's also, I think he's a no-brainer on that one. If, you know, like, he's the only one that, well, I guess you could debate him and Barkley. To me, it's, it's a longevity thing. He's only been here, what, 18 months? Uh, at this point so but i think it's fair we can do a variation of this after this one runs at course with cp3 in there as well which i think would be interesting i mean even if you just went barkley cp3 in a debate you're getting two guys who are uh, arguably top well definitely top five at their position and uh all time so uh, that that's definitely a valid argument on that one I was just curious because because yeah. I know like so I've seen other lists and it and they always mention Devin Booker but they never say uh, CP3 and I know I know De- in my estimation I was asked this question yesterday um, on ESPN Tucson they asked me if um, Chris Paul wasn't on the Suns how good would the Suns be and I I said well organizationally I think they would I would hope that they would have found a way to to compensate for that loss right. 
But if if you're just going to go with what it is and who, and who you have in the fold, I said they would be a little bit above 500. I think they would be something like a 45 and 37 team, maybe somewhere around that range. Um, but with Chris Paul, I mean, hell, guys, we are legitimately talking about the possibility of them winning 70 games this year. Like <laughs> it, it sounds, it sounds blasphemous to say that out loud, but they only have 24 games left. <laughs> 24 games left. If they go 22 and two. That's not unreasonable. Like that's Mm-mm. it's not out of the realm of possibility the way they have played. So I, I I mean it's it's a legit possibility. I'm sure we're going to tackle that conversation uh, before the the second half of the season starts because uh, Espo and I have had that conversation yeah. already. We, we've got we've got five shows before there's another game. We need as many of these ideas as we can can get. So let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at PHNX underscore Suns. And by the way, if you do that, you can go vote in our poll that goes until tomorrow morning, Friday morning. What should we call the fans of our show? Should it be Cove Crazies or Flat Girthers? An update right now. 53% <laughs> say Flat Girthers. 47% Son of a bitch. say Cove <laughs> So get out there and vote and uh, we'll make your voice heard here on the Friday edition. Edition of the PHNX Sun Show. Uh, you can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. The underscore is there because we need somewhere to keep all this girth. And then uh, you can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. You can follow me at Espo. Uh, any any final thoughts, gentlemen? Anything you want to say before I close this thing out? All Star Challenge tomorrow. Let's go. go. I I'm Lindsay. Pumped. Lindsay's got to get healthy for that. Maybe she's faking it because she doesn't want in on our all-star challenge. I don't know. She's scared of me and Mario Kart. I want the whole world to know that. She's <laughs> ducking me. Live, <laughs> oh, I mean, live tomorrow. This is what you get when you eat like day-old, you know, <laughs> bottom-of-the-barrel Mexican food. And then, yeah, you end up not feeling so hot the next day. Yeah. I thought the sushi was going to take us out, but apparently it was a burrito that took down uh, Lindsay. So hopefully she'll be back live uh, Friday at 2 p.m. on the PHNX YouTube channel. It is the PHNX Suns all-star extravaganza where we go head-to-head in God knows what because we haven't planned it yet. So for Saul, for Gerald, I'm Espo. We'll talk to you next time. Ahoy, hoy.